Today we're going to start a new series. Y'all ready for a new series? Y'all ready for a new series? We're starting a new series called Jesus Reigns Supreme. Can y'all say that with me? Jesus Reigns Supreme. He is supreme. And the reason we're starting this series, walking through the book of Hebrews, which I'm so excited to do, we're going to walk through this book line by line, verse by verse. We're going to look at the words. We're going to break it down. We haven't been in, in, a, in a book of the Bible and walked in it for months at a time for a while. So I'm excited to do that through the book of Hebrews. It's going to be a good journey. This is Hebrews. We're talking about Jesus reigning supreme. And the reason is because during this pandemic, I don't know about you all, but it, there's just been so much happening. There's been so much going on in our lives individually as well as corporately, and there's so many different waves of new theology and philosophy and news and fear and everything going around in the world. And many of us, if you know, if we're honest, we become we start to believe some of that stuff. We're overcome by fear, and it's not faith necessarily that's feeling. We're not believing like we usually or normally would, and so I believe it's time for us to come back to the Bible see what it says about Jesus reigning supreme. So we're going to look at Hebrews, and I can't wait to jump in with you. So if you can meet me in chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1 today. We're going to read three verses, chapter 1 of Hebrews. Once you got it, go ahead and stand to your feet with me. Chapter 1 of Hebrews, and I'm going to ask you to keep it open because we're going to, we're going to be looking at this pretty in depth. Chapter 1 of Hebrews, just three verses today. If you got it and you're able to stand, please do so. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Write got it in the chats online if you got it. Starting in verse 1 here, now the reading of God's word. It says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the very word of God. Before you take your seats today. I want to preach on the topic, Jesus is supreme. Say that. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme. Let's pray. Father, God, I I pray this every week, God, and I really mean it. Lord, let me decrease so that you may increase in this place. Father, hide me behind your cross so that we will hear, hear a word from you. We need to hear from you, Jesus. May you be lifted up. Everything I say or do, I ask that it be glorifying to you. Get glory, Jesus. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus. We all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Well, everyone has heard his name before. He's probably one of the most prolific boxers of all time. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. The hand, I, what you, y'all know it? Come on, y'all supposed to say it with me. The hands can't hit what the eyes can't see. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, arguably the greatest boxer of all time. He was commonly known for all the things he would say in the ring and outside ring he was talking all kind of trash all the time but the thing about Muhammad Ali is that he didn't just talk trash he actually backed it up he literally could knock somebody out going backwards Muhammad Ali well true story this occurrence with Muhammad Ali left him uh, speechless Muhammad Ali was on a plane and as he's traveling to his destination there was some turbulence that started occurring on the flight and the the pilot came over the loudspeaker and he told everyone, he said, I need everyone to take their seats and buckle up like they do in times of turbulence. Well, Muhammad Ali, he adhered to the first part of this command from the pilot and he took his seat. As you know, he's probably up talking crazy the whole flight and talking about how great he is, but he takes his seat. He adheres to that part, but the second part, he didn't buckle up his seatbelt. So the flight attendant is walking down the aisle and making sure everybody has buckled their seat belts. She keeps going up and down. She notices that Muhammad Ali does not have his seat belt on. So she comes up to him, not disturbed by who he is, and she tells him, sir, will you please buckle your seat belt? Muhammad Ali just keeps on talking, probably ignores her and just acts like she didn't say anything. And she looks at him again and says, without hesitation, will you please buckle your seat belt? All of a sudden, Muhammad Ali blurts loud, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she says without hesitation, well, Superman don't need no airplane either. Some of y'all will get that on your way home. You totally missed it. But see, as funny as that story is, Muhammad Ali, he learned something pretty significant, which is that sometimes... Things are out of our control. And in that moment, we have to trust the actions and the words of the one who's truly in control. But the question is, <laughs> will we actually trust the words who, of who is in control? In our case, our parenthetical captain, Jesus... Or will we, in our own strength, continue like Muhammad Ali and, so to say, buck the system? I got it in my own strength. Friends, friends hear me. We're living in some turbulent times just like Ali's aircraft. And in this time, the writer of Hebrews, really, he's trying to encourage us and the readers of that day that this Jesus that we serve, this Jesus that we believe in is supreme above everything else, and he can take care of us. But the question remains, will we trust him? Will you trust him? Today what I want to do is I want to give you somewhat of a bird's eye view of the scripture today, the book of Hebrews, a 30,000 foot view of the book of Hebrews by way of intro. Intro. They see the overarching theme that we're going to talk about today as well as throughout the whole book of Hebrews is the supremacy of Christ and what that means for you and I. What does it mean for Jesus to reign supreme? What does that mean for our, our lives? The book of Hebrews is written by an author of who we do not know who wrote this book, but what we do know is that this letter is written during a time of trial to the people of God to encourage them 
during that time. And I don't know about you all, but during this past year, even today, I could use some encouragement. Amen, somebody? I could use some encouragement. See, see, the author knew what the recipients of this letter were going through at that day and time. He warns them at the, that the trials are coming and that, that in the time of trials, it's easy for us to, to place our hope or our trust in other things or to start trusting some false teaching or some new wave of theology that's coming our way and lose what we actually believe. So what does he do? He reminds them of the people that walked before them, the ones that had to go through some of the same trials and some of the same tribulations, but they persevered. We see this throughout the book of Hebrews, but most famously, you see this in Hebrews 11. They call it the the great hall of faith, where you get to see some of the names of those folks that you remember from Sunday school and and going to Bible study, Abraham and and David and, and Moses. You get to read about their faith and how they trusted God and they persevered, but also how they messed up, but they, they made it through. You get to read about the people that have gone before us. Now, now what I'm trying to get at is that sometimes, you know, when you, when you know somebody has gone before you in something, when they've gone through a trial, when they've, when they've gone through a similar suffering, when they've gone through some mess that you've gone through, there's, there's something sobering about knowing that someone has gone before me and they persevered. Amen. There's something about knowing that I'm not the only one going through this mess. See, when somebody has gone before me and endured and made it, it allows me to keep moving forward. It allows me to know that I can keep going forward. For instance, when people look at the the horrific events of slavery here in America, when we study and, and we know the history of how black people, human beings were treated, less than animals, not equal to animals, but less than, worse than animals. The question becomes, well, how in the world black people keep going? I mean, after being burned alive, tarred and feathered, lynched for no reason, whipped like animals, inbred like dogs, and no rights to name just a few, one would think it'd be easier just to roll over and die instead of going forward. How did they keep going forward? But no, 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 black people, they kept going forward. Why? Because there have been people that have walked before us, people like the likes of Harriet Tubman, who was free, who would make her way to freedom, but she would travel back and forth to the south over and over again. They would call her Moses because she's, she's releasing the people. She's bringing them on to freedom. She's bringing slave after slave and, and making herself, putting herself in harm's way when she didn't have to over and over again to bring people to freedom. Maybe, maybe y'all don't know about Harry Tubman, but Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass, who was a slave, taught himself how to read as a slave and became one of the most prolific preachers of all time, became a free man. Hear me, hear me, even with the horrific history that black people have had to endure here in this country, people are able to go on because they can look back at these stories of folks that look like them that have made it through and because I can look to them, I can say, oh yes, I can keep going. Some of y'all may not be able to resonate with that. So here's one that we all can resonate with. We're all in a pandemic right now, right? 
Y'all didn't answer me, but y'all may not believe you in a pandemic, but you're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic, right? We're all sitting in a pandemic. And believe it or not, this is not the first pandemic that America has been in. This is not the first time that countries outside of America, all over the world, have experienced sickness. But time and time again, they've made it through. And we hope to also get through this soon. And hear me, that hope that we have, it, it's not coming through clinical trials. It, it's not coming through vaccines. It's not coming through you wearing your mask, but you should be wearing your mask. Y'all better wear your mask. No. You know where the hope is coming from? The hope comes from the fact that we know that people been through this before. We know that we can get through it because, man, we've seen people get through this. So look, America and other countries have done this over and over again. So people going before us, hear me, don't miss it, gives us hope to keep going. But the difference between us looking to old people, regular old people, and them getting through it, and what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do right now is that he's not simply telling us, look at those people that have gone before you. No, he's really trying to point us to the supreme one who has gone before us, Jesus. He's saying, he's already gone before you. You can keep going. Hear me, it's not only that he said look to others, he said look to Jesus. Jesus who was God in the flesh, who died the death that you were supposed to die, was buried, but then rose to life on your behalf. Look to him and you can keep going. See, the writer is simply walking us through what it means to trust a supreme Savior. And then by doing so, hear me, we're able to press on. We're able to keep going because Jesus reigns supreme. See, the problem is, this is why we're not getting any amens, is because instead of trusting the supreme Savior, again, we suffer from this Muhammad Ali syndrome. We tend to think we, we know more or just because it's not happened the way we like it, or the way we want it to, or Jesus hasn't shown up the way we think he should. We tend, to think, we tend to think he's not real. We tend to think that he's not working. So instead of pressing on in light of what Jesus has done on our behalf, we start pushing forward in our own strength, trying to work it out in our own power, trying to make it through the mess of life and the weights of this world, putting it all on our shoulders, doing it by the sweat of our brow. And the, the writer of Hebrews is looking, saying, look, you don't have to do that. Jesus is there with you. He's already done it. Let me see if I can make this a bit more plain because I don't want y'all to miss this. Um, I, I love to work out. And I played D1 football at Indiana University. And I, I, I don't like just working out. I like to work out. I only know how to work out one way, which is hard. I like to go hard and kind of crazy sometimes, and, but I also like to eat, so I work out so I can eat and all that other stuff, so I like to work out, but my trainer, he goes to the church here, his name is Marcel, he's a friend of mine, he always tells me, he said, Pastor D, look, when you work it out, because you like to go hard in the weight room, you, also, you, gotta, you gotta learn to always leave one rep when you're by yourself, and I'm like, what you talking about, man, you leave one last rep, I've been, I do this, I, look at me, I know how to work out, and he's like, no, no, 
you not get what I'm saying. And I said, what, what do you mean I got to leave one rep? He said, look, simply because if you're working out and you don't have a spot or you don't have anybody with you, what's going to happen is I don't care how, how muscular you are or how much you work out. After a while, after you're repping this weight over and over again on the bench press or squatting, as you're doing that over and over again, the weight is going to start to get heavier. It's going to start to get heavier, and then your, your muscles are going to start to give out. And hear me, you don't want to be left under the bench press struggling. I've been there before. <clears throat> Literally about to die because you cannot get the weight off of your chest. Your muscles are done. So he said, look, the simple remedy to that is know your limits and always leave one rep. But if you want to go hard in the gym, he says, make sure you always have a spotter. Now, a spotter is someone who knows exactly what you're trying to accomplish in the workout. They know how many reps. They also know how to do the workout. They, they, they know how to do it probably better than you. They, they know the correct form. They also know how to, to, to help you. They know do when you're in a time of struggle. So here it is. If I'm sitting on the bench press and I'm repping that thing out, I'm doing it. I'm pushing the weight over and over again, and I think I got it. And all of a sudden, my, my, my arms start to give out a little bit. That spotter can jump in in the moment and take the weight up off of me, relieving the pressure off of me, essentially saving my life, depending on how much weight was there, maybe trying to choke me out on the bench press. And see, I think some of y'all are missing what I'm, what I'm really getting at here because here's the reason. There are too many of us out here trying to carry the parenthetical weights of life without a spotter or any help, and we're failing over and over and over again. We can't breathe. We're living in this space because we have no help, and we don't know where to turn. You know why? Watch this. You know why we get there? It's because at the beginning of that journey in life, the weights of life weren't that heavy and you were fooled. So as you, you're repping it out, going through life, you're pressing through life, oh, this ain't that heavy, put some more on there. I got this, put some more on there. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And after a while, the weights start adding up. Uh, uh, and you can't do it anymore. And you don't have any help or anybody around you. You, 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 you can't do it anymore, you're failing. Keep swiping that card over and over again. Oh, I got some money. Oh, oh no, I don't have any money. That is up to my ears. I can't get out of this. The weight is too heavy. Some of us can't take care of ourselves because we're taking on everybody else's problems, her problem, his problem, their problem, all these other problems, and all of a sudden the weight is too heavy. You see, the writer of Hebrews is trying to let us know all throughout the book, and he gets to it in chapter 12 where he says, look, look, not only do you have the divine spotter, Jesus, on your side who can step in and, and relieve the pressure and carry the weights, but hear me, he's already won the race. He already died on Calvary for you. He paid it all on the cross for you. Hear me, hear me. Hold on and trust the Savior, the lover of your soul, family. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. He can bring you through. Just press on believing in him. But I know, I know, I know. Some of us are asking, Pastor D, I, I see where you're going, but... 
why? why? I, I still don't understand. Why do I need to trust? Why do I, why do I need to trust Jesus? I, but I thought I was, but why do I have to trust him with all of me? Well, well, friends, that's exactly what we're going to walk through the book of Hebrews. I love this book. That's why we're taking a good look at it. We're going to look at it very in depth, line by line over the next few months. And so for a moment, what I want to do is I want to just look at these first three verses because this scripture really is a perfect segue to the answer to that question of why do we trust Jesus? Because right out the gate in the introduction, the writer of Hebrews lets us know about the supremacy of Jesus, why he's trustworthy. The text begins with the writer telling us in verse 1, look at it with me if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull it out. He, 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 tell, he tells us in verse 1, he says that God used to speak to us through prophets. Keyword, used to speak to us through prophets in many different ways, but now he has spoken to us through his son Jesus, which hear me, side note, as we're walking through this passage, hear me, let me put a pin in this right quickly. Don't run, run past this verse. What, what he's saying is that there's no new prophecy outside of Jesus and God's word. So whenever someone runs around saying, I got a prophecy or somebody prophesied over my life, I just want to tell you, be careful. Be careful because if it does not line up with the scripture, it's false. God told me that I'm going to be rich and famous and I'm going to prosper. That ain't no prophecy. That's closer to mysticism and, and some type of fortune telling. Y'all, that's not prophecy. At the end of the day here, you, you may get some money. You may come into some great financial prosperity, but you don't know when that's going to happen, how it's going to happen, how long you need to work to get there. Hear me, I, I know, I know, Jeremiah 29 tells me God's going to, he has plans for me, he's going to prosper me, he won't harm me. Sure, hear me. I know I'm all in your kitchen, that's why it's so quiet right now. God has plans for you. Yes, sure, God has plans for you. He does want to take care of you. He does want to provide for you. He does want to keep you from harm, all of that, but be careful. Because if you look at the context surrounding that verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, well, we use it all out of context. This is talking about the nation of Israel being in exile. Does that apply to you right now? Do you want to be in exile? I don't. This is not a verse about you being prosperous or us having a lot of money. No, no. This is the verse that says, I'm with you always and I will deliver you. Hear me, family, we have to be weary of trusting every new wave of theology that comes our way, every new prophecy and all these things. And this is, I got I to touch on this because in the pandemic, there's so many things that you've been bombarded with. Every day you're bombarded with new things in social media and in the news. It's all over the place. But family, if it ain't the word of God, it's false. I'm pretty passionate about that because there's so much that's going around saying this is true, this is truth. Family, the writer says that now instead of speaking through prophets, he's spoken through his son, which means that Jesus and the word of God is the final authority. One clap, thank you. 
Let me break this down a little bit more because there's some key contrast here in these first two verses that help break this down a a bit more before we go forward. And I don't want you to miss this. So look at it with me in verse 1 and verse 2. Look at it on your screen or in your Bible. I want you to follow along with me. We're going to observe the text. It says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He says, God spoke long ago in verse 1. See that? In verse 1, he says, God spoke long ago, as opposed to verse 2, where he says, these days. That's our first contrast. So long ago, verse these days. That's time of revelation. Everybody say time of revelation. Time of revelation. Stick with me. I promise you it's going to come around full circle into your neighborhood. Secondly, the contrast agent is agent of revelation. He says this by saying prophets in verse 1. And in verse 2, he says the son. Thirdly, it contrasts the recipients of revelation. The fathers versus us in verse 2. Lastly, the contrast final revelation is stating in many ways and many times, verse 1, as opposed to through his son in verse 2. Let me repeat that because I don't want y'all to get lost in this. Number one, the first contrast is time of revelation. It says long ago versus these last days. Number two, agent of revelation, prophets versus son. Number three, recipients of revelation, fathers versus us. Number four, the unity of final revelation in the son. Many times, many ways versus through God's son. Y'all see this? This is why observing scripture Not just reading it to see what you want to see, but observing it is very important. See, what the writer is really trying to explain to us, don't miss this, is that since God has spoken finally and fully in the Son, and since the New Testament fully reports and interprets the supreme revelation, once the New Testament is written, hear me, the canon of Scripture is complete. What this means, as the old folk would say, there ain't nothing new under the sun. There's no new books that are needed there to explain what God has done through his son. He created the world through his son, Jesus Christ, and believers await his return until he'll take us home to be with him in heaven and heaven forever and ever. Y'all, that, that's the day we're looking forward to. There's nothing new under the sun. Hear me, Jesus didn't just die on a cross for your sins, but he is the final authority. He reigns supreme. Stop looking around for all these new things and new fulfillment and new satisfaction and new truths and this and that. No, no. What he's trying to let us know is that God, Jesus is supreme and he's all you need. But the writer knew we would still miss it, so he keeps going. And he says, he's the heir to all things that is preexistent or to come. He created all things, which lets us know that Jesus isn't new. He didn't just come about when he was born of the Virgin Mary. No, but he's preexistent. So John 1.1 would tell us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You keep on reading down to verse 14, it tells tells us that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So who's the word? Jesus. 
See, the author of Hebrews is not only trying to let us know that Jesus is trustworthy, but again, he's trying to let us know he's supreme. He's above all things, and he's been around since the beginning. He's pre-existent. But I know some of us, we're still struggling with that Muhammad Ali syndrome. Still saying, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I really trust him all the way yet. So let's keep moving. The writer, in verse 3, I love this verse. He says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Let me read that again. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Family, we haven't even made it out of the first three verses. You see how rich the wording is when they're talking about Jesus here. He says he's the radiance of the glory of God. When they say radiance, now radiance, hear me, it usually refers to light or, or heat. And so some of y'all remember, it, it's, really, it's really when it's giving off that property, when it's giving off light or if it's, it's giving off heat. So some of y'all remember radiators, right? Radiators in the house. Some of y'all still have radiators, and some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Pastor, you talking about central air, you know? Radiators, what is that? So, so the radiator, you had to boil, boil a unit, and it would heat up the water, and the radiator would be this metal contraption over on the side of the wall or corner, wherever you might have it. And as that radiator would heat up, as the water inside of the moisture would heat up, it would radiate or give off heat now so that room could actually be heated. And so essentially what the writer of Hebrews is trying to let us know is that Jesus Christ gives off or he radiates the glory of God. He's saying Jesus is the glory of God. So to behold, Jesus is to behold the glory of God. He moves on to make this even more clear. He says that he is the exact imprint of his nature, which means that Jesus is exactly the same in substance as God. He has the same character, abilities, and attributes because he is God. He is fully man and fully God. Family, keep following me because this is where the writer, he comes into your neighborhood a bit with this one. This is where he steps in. He basically says, now with all of that, Jesus is God. Keep following. And he can do all the same things that God can do. He upholds the universe with the power of his word. And after making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, why is that important? Why is that important for us? Because many of us today, even this morning, we've been walking around waving the white flag of surrender. I'm done. We've been giving up. Giving in too quickly. Trusting in our fear instead of faith in God. 
And the writer of Hebrews right out the gate is trying to let us know that those of us that believe, we don't just believe in anybody. No, 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 no. We believe in God who created all things, who upholds the universe with his hands, the one who died in our place, those nails in his hands on the cross, those nails in his feet. He died the death that I should have died, and now he sits on the throne, which means, hear me, we don't have to give up. We that believe, we don't have to give in, but instead we can press on. We can press on believing in the name that's higher than any other name, the name of Jesus, the one who took on the cross for me. We can believe on him because he's supreme. We can press on. Friends, I... I, I don't know if y'all can tell, but I can't wait to jump into this series. I can't wait to dive in. Family, I want to say this. If you walked in here this morning, it's your first time back to church, or it's your first time being here, period, or maybe you've walked in here and you're in a space where you're saying, I've never really trusted Jesus with my life. Hear me, my prayer, even Pastor Steve's prayer as we walk through the book of Hebrews over the next several months, is that all of us, if not today, we would learn to rest in Jesus and that he would rest, rule, and abide in our souls. If COVID hasn't shown us anything, what it has shown us is that we can't handle this world by ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, is that God never wanted it to be that way in the first place. So if we're sitting around still acting like Muhammad Ali, like we got it all together, S on our chest, in this moment, would you just relinquish control? And say, God, I give you all of me. I cannot make it without you. I give you me the lover of my soul because he's supreme. Family, this is what I want to do as we, we're entering this series. We're coming back to church. We're online. Entering this new season, a new space. I want us all to respond to God now. So every, every, every head bowed, every eye closed now, even at home. I'm not going to have you do anything crazy or anything in this moment, but I do believe that there may be people in here that are here because somebody invited you. You're watching online because somebody sent you a link. But in your heart, you're saying, I really don't know Jesus like that. The fact that he would give up his life for me, he'd die the death that I should have died. He'd be buried and he'd rise from the grave. That's good news. And you're saying, I'm tired of walking through the mess of life. I'm tired of depending on my own strength. And you're in a space where you're saying, I want to give my all to Jesus. All I want you to do right now is just 
raise your hand. I'm the only one looking. All I want to do is pray for you. I just want to pray for you. I see you. I'm the only one looking. I just want to pray for you. Second call is, this is for all of us too. Many of us, if not all of us, have been in this space. I just want y'all to be honest for a moment. If you've been in a space where you've been white-knuckling it, you've been Muhammad Ali, you've been trusting in your own strength, you've been doubting at times, you've been trusting every other news outlet or things that come your way, and you've been consumed by your own fear versus faith in Jesus in a place where saying, I just want to trust him with all of me. You want to recommit that trust and just say, I, I need you, Jesus, on this morning. Would you just join me? Just raise your hand. I, I just want to pray for you, too. Amen. Amen. But as we walk into prayer, if I'm honest, that's I think all of us are probably in that space. We've doubted at different times. This has been a hard year. So I just want to pray for all of us as we end today. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are truly awesome, a magnificent, almighty God. Thank you that you make it so clear in your word that Jesus is not only God who died on the cross for us, <laughs> but Jesus was there in the beginning, created all things through him. The same Jesus took our debt on the cross, and we're here simply because of his love for us. God, you're so good. Father, I pray for the ones that have raised their hands and saying, I want to give my life to you, Jesus you would cover them, protect them, and keep them, that you would fill their hearts with joy as they surrender their all to you, that they would know that you are Savior and Lord beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you surround them with community and love within this church, with others around them. God, I also pray for those, or even all of us, God, that we've been in the space where trusting you sometimes has been tough. We've never lived through a pandemic. None of us know really how to get out of it, but you do. You're not twiddling your fingers trying to figure it out. So God, I pray in this moment that as we talk about Jesus reigning supreme, that we would really truly believe that. You don't just reign supreme in this world, but you reign supreme in our souls. That you can comfort us, that you can keep us, that you can protect us that you are true and living God. We don't have to look anywhere else but to you. So let that give us joy and peace on this morning, God. And it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we all say together, amen, amen. Family, as we get ready to take communion this morning, isn't God good?